0: Welcome to Unraveling Daisy Jones, your weekly recap and discussion about the Amazon Prime video series, Daisy Jones and the Six, based on the best-selling novel of the same name by Taylor Jenkins Reid. In each episode, we'll recap the latest episode in the series and share our thoughts on the music, characters, the fashion, changes made from novel to screen, and all the juicy drama. We'll make
1: sure you won't regret listening.
0: Hi! Welcome to the very first
1: episode of Unraveling Daisy Jones. I'm Chris. And I'm Jocelyn. We are both very excited to have all of you join us on this 10-episode journey. If you don't know anything about Daisy Jones and the Six, well,
0: this might not be the podcast for you. However, we'll give you a brief explanation of the plot before we jump into recapping episode 1. Going forward from here, there will be spoilers for the book and series, so you have been warned. Okay,
1: starting now. Let's take it away. Spoilers are here. Daisy Jones is a girl coming of age in LA in the late 60s, sneaking into clubs on the Sunset Strip, sleeping with rock stars, and dreaming of singing at the Whiskey-a-Go-Go. The sex and drugs are thrilling, but it's the rock and roll she loves most. By the time she's 20, her voice is getting noticed and she has the kind of heedless beauty that makes people do crazy things. Also getting noticed is The Six, a band led by Billy Dunn. On the eve of their first tour, his girlfriend Camilla finds out she's pregnant, and with the pressure of impending fatherhood and fame, Billy goes a little wild on the road. Daisy and Billy cross paths when a producer realizes the key to supercharged success is to put the two together. What happens next will be the stuff of a legend. Oh yes, it will. <laughs> now before we recap the first episode
0: of the series, we are going to tell you just a little bit about us and our love for Taylor's novel. So I'm Chrissy. I go by Chris as a nickname. My pronouns are she her. I grew up primarily listening to the music of the 50s, 60s and 70s. And you know, fun fact, in the first episode, Daisy Jones actually sings my favorite song from that era during a scene where she is in the shower. I was also named after the beautiful Chrissy doll from 1969, and legend goes that I used to walk into the little incense and saltwater taffy shops in Lake George with my dad wearing my tie-dye Grateful Dead shirt, and I would rhyme off the names of the band members to the shop owners, so I really do feel like rock and roll has always been in my DNA. In my late teen years, though, I became... Utterly obsessed with Fleetwood Mac. I read every book available about their lives on the road and the breakup between Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. I was very, very fortunate to see the Rumors Five in concert before Lindsay left the band a few years later in 2018. Thankfully, the following year, I saw the cover of a book called Daisy Jones and the Six on a pre-order list, and it obviously grabbed my attention because there were a lot of references to Fleetwood Mac being talked about online. So I immediately entered just about every contest to win a book, tote bag, or one of the cute shirts that they had for the release. And when I inevitably did not win, (laughs) I went to my local bookstore on the day of the release, which... When this first episode airs, it is exactly four years ago today that the book was released. Because of the amazing pacing of the novel, I finished it in a little over one day, (laughs) which I can't say that's something I do often. I love reading, but Daisy Jones, that's it's just different. (laughs) And I think if anyone here has read the book, which I'm sure all of you have, you know what I mean? Jocelyn and I both met because of our mutual love of the 1977 meatloaf album, Bat Out of Hell. And we instantly became best friends. We're both the same in many ways, but Joss's knowledge of pop culture is very limited. That is where I come in with trying to educate her on the best damn movies and TV shows ever made. So anyways, I'm reading this book. I sent her a photo of the front and I'm pretty sure she forgot about it. But then she saw it in a bookshop one day and bought it. Anyways, I like to think of this as the first time she actually listened to something I recommended and loved it. Because now here we are hosting
1: a Daisy Jones and the Six recap podcast. And the rest is history. The rest is history. So my name is Jocelyn. Joss is fine as a nickname. My pronouns are she and her. I have always loved music, but... Books were really my first love. Um, To this day, I still regard my favorite books as my best friends, as cheesy as that sounds. I found Daisy Jones by accident in the fall of 2019 while Christmas shopping, and my mom and I bought it for each other as a Christmas gift so we could read it and talk all about it together. I ended up getting horribly sick over Christmas and was off work a few weeks. So when I could finally keep my eyes open, I sat down and I ended up reading it cover to cover in one sitting. I think it took me a couple hours. This book was such a gift because I had stopped reading fiction in college just due to the volume of assigned reading and overall workload, and this was the first time in years I'd been able to enjoy a book that way. So of course I finished it and turned back to the first page and read it all over again. (laughs) I have reread it so many times over the years. I fell in love with the characters and the way that Taylor describes the era. It's probably in my top three favorite books of all time. I was so excited for the TV series to come out in a way that I never have been about an adaptation before. I just had so much trust in the material, in the cast, and in the team behind it. So, this really is quite a treat. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more episodes and, of course, talking to all of you about it. So, let's just get
0: into it right here. Who is your favorite character? And has that changed between the book and series
1: thus far? Oh, easy answer. Karen Karen Mm -hmm. has always been and always will be my favorite character. Of course. (laughs) I see so much of myself in her. She is so strong and she's so driven. And I admire how she doesn't take anyone's shit. She's an icon. But that being said... All of the characters are brilliantly written, and I love them all for different reasons. Like, I've always loved Daisy, Camilla, Graham, and Warren, and I really feel that with the show. Um, I also now have an admiration for Billy Dunn. We'll see how that changes as it goes <laughs> forward. Um, but I've really loved what the series has done in addressing his struggle with substance abuse. And I just think Sam Claffin is doing a brilliant job. I mean, absolutely, they all are. They all are. They all are. Yeah, they all are. So Chrissy, who's your favorite character? Oh, well, my favorite
0: from the book is Camilla Dunn. I mean, it's still Camilla in the series. I think Camilla Marone is like, oh, my God, she's the perfect Camilla, in my opinion. I think casting wise, Mm -hmm. they could not have done better.
1: I think casting across the board, they could not have done better.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And because of
1: that, I have a newfound adoration for Graham Dunn. I'm so glad you're finally on the same page as me. I have been a Graham girly from day one. Will brought the
0: character to life for me (laughs) in a way that I just did not pick up uh, in the book itself.
1: So I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled for you too. You finally get it. (laughs) You finally get it. I do. So the first episode of Daisy Jones and the Six is titled Come and Get It. It begins with band members in front of a camera 20 years after they split up, discussing their breakup for the first time in complete detail. It's made clear that most of them have not kept in touch throughout the years. Flashes of footage from Daisy Jones and the Six's high days performing in stadiums, traveling, greeting fans, and all of the drug-infused madness are shown on screen. We are then notified that the last time the band played together was on October 4th, 1977, at Soldier Field in Chicago during their Aurora World Tour. So already
0: we are seeing the first changes from book to screen in the novel. It has been 40 years since they last performed together in 1979. I actually really like this change. I like that the story will be set a few years earlier during the height of the 1970s rather than leading into the 1980s. Obviously, the story is set within a real universe because we hear Names of famous bands and people throughout. So I like that they end in 1977 when the height of Fleetwood Mac with Stevie and Lindsay in the band now putting out rumors begins.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the time change did not bother me that much at all. And I think it made it easier to use the same actors and easier for the actors as well to kind of have it set now in the 90s. I think when they're doing these interviews. around love it. The episode continues with Daisy being interviewed about when she first fell in love with music. We flash back to a young Daisy sitting in her bedroom during parties at her parents' house, listening and belting out tunes on her record player. Daisy, who we learn is named Margaret at the time, was born into wealth and could have absolutely anything she desires, but felt entirely alone because she wasn't shown love by her parents. We watch as Daisy gets older, sneaking into clubs on the Sunset Strip, watching bands like Zeppelin, Cream, and The Who. After watching a band perform, the lead singer brings her to his hotel room. It's implied she didn't know it would be the two of them alone. The show flashes back to an interview sequence with Daisy telling the interviewer that she wasn't naive on purpose, that she was just a baby. That is when she changes her name from Margaret to Daisy Jones and dedicates herself to writing songs. I won't lie, guys, this was really hard to watch. Um, But it sets up who Daisy is as a human and who she becomes. She goes from this scared girl to one of the biggest rock stars in the world, but wow she really was just a baby. And the writers did a good job in setting up how dangerous the exciting world of rock and roll can be. Um, Instead of glamorizing the Mm. sex drugs and rock and roll element, especially from such a young age.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad with a show that is that heavily features, you know, drugs and like you said, sex, rock and roll, all that stuff. They didn't push the envelope too far and show too much from that scene they didn't go all the way mm-hmm. and make it graphic because when the door locked i was like oh this is going to be really triggering and it was just from the door locking um and i think that's all they needed to do to set up that moment happening because i'm i'm just happy they didn't go too far with it
1: that would have been a, a harder watch yeah. and yeah you know it's crazy i think a lot of women have the same like reaction to it of it's course, just it's, yeah. it sets off your fight or flight when you're watching that scene and you hear the door yeah. lock click i think so many of us have mm. been in a similar Situations, situation yeah. there's there's actually a quote in the book that happens a little later on when daisy goes when you're alone with a man who is suddenly dangerous to you
0: mm.
1: you're thinking about all the choices that you made to bring you to that place and um Of course, that is something we get told later in Daisy's journey in the book. But to me, that was all I could think of during that scene where the door lock clicks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then later you see she's at the the party and, you know, he's going to repeat it. He's going to do it again to other girls. We see that happening and it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Mm -hmm. Over in Hazelwood, Pennsylvania, we meet Billy Dunn, who wants something more out of life than ending up in the military or working at the mill. Billy lives with a single mom and his younger brother, Graham. Graham decides to form a band with his three friends, Warren, Eddie,
1: and Chuck. Did you like the way I said that? Very, very gossip, girl. Thank you. (laughs) It's funny because his name is Chuck and he plays the bass. Chuck. Chuck (laughs) Bass. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I didn't I, I like, just I realized it right now. I don't know you are
0: going with that, but <laughs> that's really funny. I'm glad you you followed it through with the answer because I would have been here like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I don't get it.
1: I got you, girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Billy helps out with the band by giving them pointers and eventually becomes their front man. The episode shows them growing up playing local gigs at weddings in Sweet Sixteens as the Dunn Brothers.
1: You know, Alexa, play Mastermind by Taylor Swift because I loved how... Graham masterminded Billy into (laughs) being in the band and being the frontman. That isn't in the book, but I love it because right away it shows you the kind of person Billy is. And in like a one minute scene, they were able to set the stage for what this band's working relationship is going to look like all the way up till they're split. So smart. So smart.
0: Yeah, I think it was really cute too. We have that scene where the boys are in gym class and they're kind of like, whoa, like your brother's joining the band. Like ideally does. You know? <laughs> I also love that we meet young Billy with all of the girls following him in the street because It's mentioned in the book that Billy got all the girls. We also meet young Graham, heartbroken over his first heartbreak. So we know right away he has a really sweet soul. And I thought that was interesting because it's sort of a foreshadow of what's to come in both of their storylines. Poor peaches. Poor peaches. Poor peaches. We learn briefly about Billy and Graham's father when the band is performing at a wedding and they spot him dancing with a girl half his age. Billy confronts him, destroying the guitar that once belonged to his father. The band share a moment outside the venue when Billy realizes the band was now becoming more than just a fun hobby. They were a family, and he felt they were going
1: to be the biggest band in the world someday. This was another change. So in the Mm. book, Billy and Graham don't confront their dad. They're just like, he doesn't recognize us. Screw him. Right. But honestly... I didn't mind it. I really liked the moment that they got to have as a band and the moment with Billy confronting his father. Again, this is a wonderful, wonderful TV moment where in over the course of a few minutes, they have set up Billy's entire relationship with the idea of fatherhood. And of course, that comes into play later. But in two minutes, they did something that is going to affect Like, it lays groundwork for the rest of the series going forward. The writers just, I want to send them a gift basket.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We meet Camilla Alvarez at the local laundromat where she is watching Billy while doing laundry. The two share a sort of meet-cute moment with Billy, assuming she knew of him from the Dunn brothers. We later learn in an interview sequence that she definitely knew about him because of his reputation with girls. It humbles him and he asks for her number, promising to write a song for her if she gives it to him. Camilla asks if that line has ever worked on anyone. Billy tells her it's the first time he's ever used it. They fall in love quickly, Camilla becoming a sort of member of the band by attending their rehearsals and taking video footage and photographs of them. Okay, I want all of you to know first of all, we both had to watch this at separate times. So Jocelyn was attending a premiere party and... I was back at home and at seven o'clock I watched it like many of you listening I'm sure when it came out Jocelyn could not do that and I was not allowed to
1: text her. That makes me (laughs) sound so much cooler than I actually am. Jocelyn was at a premiere party. Wow. Um, (laughs) But yeah I told Chrissy that if she sent me any spoilers it would be the end of our friendship forever. So So I had to sit
0: (laughs) at home on my couch by myself and Watch this entire moment happen and not be able to tell her that it's nothing like the book. That being said, you know, Billy and Camilla's initial meeting is super different from the novel, but I wasn't disappointed. I actually love the laundromat scene. However, one thing I did really miss was the reason I fell in love with their relationship while reading the novel, and that was the little moments with their phone calls when Billy would call and say, Billy Dunn loves uh, Camilla Martinez before the charge went through.
1: Yeah, I love that part. You
0: know, like, it it sadly didn't make it into the show. I also really loved the perspective of Billy being dirt broke and bringing her to the pizza parlor in Pittsburgh and scraping his last dollars to buy her a pizza because we will later see him buy them a home with the money from Honeycomb making it so big, you know? I liked that little moment we had. Um, There's also mention of how he knew Camilla liked good music because she wore a Tommy James shirt. And I really, really wanted that to be in the show because I think it's so symbolic of the lyrics. I don't hardly know her, but I think I could love her from Crimson and Clover by Tommy James. I also have to add this. Okay. So this is the part where I fell to my knees pretty much. and I couldn't even tell Jocelyn, but. Watching the episode, they changed Camilla's last name to Alvarez and list her as Camilla Alvarez, photographer, in the documentary footage. Now, if you don't already know that this is going to be a change, then obviously your brain goes to the possibility of, oh my God, she's divorced and remarried. <laughs> That's not the case. We learn later that uh, her mother's last name is also Alvarez. So they swapped out the last name Martinez with Alvarez. Anyways, I assumed that Camilla divorced Billy and got remarried. And for like a good 30 minutes, my world was shattered and I was just very confused. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? And then I was like, did they already put Eddie's name up? Like his last name? Did they? Is he Alvarez now? Like Eddie Alvarez? No, obviously not.
1: (laughs) But since you mentioned Eddie's last name, it is Roundtree. Yes, they changed that. Not Loving, which Mm. I thought it was funny that his name was Eddie Loving, but he really had this big hate on for everything. I thought that was ironic. I do like that. (laughs) Me too.
0: But it makes more sense for someone just like ordinary out of Pittsburgh to be Eddie Roundtree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's too cool a name for someone who's just, you know, (laughs) small town.
1: (laughs) The Dunn brothers head over to rehearse in Chuck's garage but are greeted by the knowledge that Chuck has been accepted into a dental program and is leaving the band. Without a bassist, Billy tells Eddie to switch over to bass instead, to which he eventually agrees. Daisy meets Simone at a party. Simone tells Daisy that she has seen her all over the strip and questions why she isn't on stage instead of in the crowd. The Dunn brothers and Camilla are at a venue, prepping for their set, watching another band called The Winters perform. Graham immediately takes notice of their keyboard player, Karen, and introduces himself to her. Gotta love peaches, man. (laughs) Gotta love peaches. We have a lot of little changes in this just chunk of episode, so if you've read the book, you know that Chuck gets drafted and sent to the war. However, the dentist thing is funny. But I always felt that Chuck's loss was a big reality check mm-hmm. for the band um, and also just kind of rooted them in the era of yes, the 70s I agree. other than just the rock and roll element. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I can take or leave it. Either way, Chuck's not around. In the book, this is also when Eddie comes on board in the band because his brother Pete is an original member. And then when Chuck goes to war, they call in Eddie to cover. This is another thing I really didn't mind that much. Pete does very little in the book. He really doesn't say anything. Um, People talk about him, but he's never up to much. So I appreciate that they kind of just got him out of the way so they could focus on the drama. Um, that being said, though, God bless Pete for being the only unproblematic (laughs) member of Daisy Jones and the Six. But this is the one change that did hurt my heart. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but I will always be sad that we didn't get our Karen Karen moment. But that's okay. She will always be Karen Karen to me. I don't know why they didn't include that. I think it's so
0: funny and it's so cute. And I don't know. We haven't really seen many people talking about Graham and Karen online much yet and I think with that moment it would have like really set it up for fans to be like I ship them so hard which like same and I'm gonna do it anyways because that's just who I am uh, but you know
1: I'm seeing more Karen and Graham stuff starting to come out of the woodwork which is good because like when the show was first announced it was like Daisy Billy this and Billy and Camilla that and oh my god Billy Dunn is a whore but like (laughs) Billy which is Dunn fair is a horror that's the central part that's kind of the central like plot is the love triangle sure. but karen and graham has always been my favorite relationship in the book despite it all um and so i'm i'm really glad we're starting to see more little teasers and we're starting to see people start to root for them yeah um but I love the Karen Karen moment because that's just classic Graham it's so in funny. so many ways. And they had it all set up. They were in a noisy musical. I know. Um, but that's okay. Maybe they tried it and it just didn't translate well. Right? You never know. I
0: honestly, I thought I missed it. So I like watched back Me too. that part at the end rewind. of episode three. I was like, I have to go back and see if I, I made it up. I think I was still stuck on. Oh, my God. Camilla, Camilla Alvarez. Alvarez. <laughs> missed a lot in those first like 15 minutes after that part (laughs) it's possible karen swings back around to the venue to watch their set with rod rays the tour manager rod tells the band they need to make their music less political so like less dylan-esque and if they want to make it big they need to move to california and meet with teddy price
1: again billy's work being more political would have made more sense had Mm. chuck been drafted and the war had been mentioned more than just once in passing, but I digress. I'm just glad that they kept Karen telling Rod to eat shit. (laughs) Billy then has to break
0: the news to Camilla that they're going to move to California to pursue their dreams. He hopes she'll join them, but she refuses and wants to follow her own career in school. She doesn't want to follow a boy to California. He questions what they are to each other, but she stands to go inside her house. However, not before reminding him that he still owes her a song. Inside, she cries and tells her mom that he's moving. Her mother tells her that she can't turn her back on her family, and Camilla reminds her that she did. Camilla surprises the boys and joins them in their van to California.
1: I actually like this change a lot. So, in the book, Camilla stays home and Billy calls her out to join them in L.A. Mm. after they get a record deal with Teddy. Um... But again, shout out to the writers—they used this scene to build their relationship quickly and give them a really solid ground um, right away. They are incorporating Camilla as one of the key members of the six, and how important she is to Billy, which she she was in the book anyway. But they're making sure that she is a vital part of everything from the very mm-hmm. start, and I like that because. Karen says something in the book about how Camilla wasn't a wallflower. You just had to be paying attention to notice it. And I like that in this TV series, they're not making us pay attention to notice it. From the very first episode, they are showing who Camilla is, someone who isn't afraid to talk about what she wants in her relationship and what she wants out of life. Mm. And so I thought this was a really great establishing character moment for her. So I was okay with, Again, this change.
0: I also really like that they are incorporating Camilla's family a lot. We got to Mm -hmm. see this cute little scene of Billy going to dinner at Camilla's house, meeting (laughs) her parents, her sisters. And then we get to have Camilla and her mom have this sweet, sad moment together in her house.
1: I like it a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The show flashes to Daisy pumping gas at a gas station. The song she wrote stumbled on Sublime on the radio. The song had been stolen from her. At a nearby diner, she's talking to Gary about taking benzos to wake up. She swallows them down with coffee and champagne to even out the effects and referring to it as an up and down. He laughs and tells her he's going to use that in a script one day and questions how he knows she wasn't planning on using it herself. She leaves the restaurant after he calls her a muse. The famous quote everyone has been waiting to hear is said, I am not the muse, I am the somebody. Why Why
0: do men think it's a compliment to tell a woman that they are his muse? I've always hated that. I hate it so much. And I love that we finally have a scene in something where the girl isn't like, I'm really your muse? Wow. She's like, no, I am the fucking somebody and you are going to hear me. I love it. I'm so grateful to Taylor for this beautiful line that many of us can now say and feel something from it. I love it.
1: Yeah. Just amen. Like, I love that she takes that moment to tell him off. Yeah, And it really solidifies her arc in the episode. The writers are so smart. So smart. They're taking her from a girl who just loves music Mm. to a teenager who's being used by men. To this woman who takes no shit at all. Mm -hmm. And right away they have grown her and established her so that as we see her begin to pursue her career as a songwriter, she is so aware of who she is as a person. And that is why she's so headstrong and fabulous and wonderful. Because she knows who she is and she knows her worth and she's not taking anything less. And that... Mm -hmm. That is what I love about all the female characters in this book. Mm. They are strong. They are fierce. They are powerful. And they know what they deserve. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Daisy heads to a bar, sits down at the piano, and sings. Billy, Camilla, Warren, Eddie, and Graham arrive in California, and they drive by Daisy as she's walking on the strip. And that is the end of the episode. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, can I just say something that's kind of like I know people listening are probably either going to be like what the fuck, Chrissy? This is you're so stupid. Or <laughs> or they're going to be like, "You know what? I kind of agree with you on this one." I don't know where anyone stands with it. Anyways, I'm going to I'm going to say what I felt watching it. I don't love the whole like they kept passing by each other until they finally meet because they they're really playing on this whole soulmate thing. And that's cool. That's cute. I get it. And I do understand that, you know, they probably would have passed each other if it, it was like a, a real life thing. Um because, you know, she's always on the strip and we learned that with her conversation with Simone and whatever. But I don't know. I don't like it's not forced, but it is kind of forced if that makes sense. And I we'll get to episode 2 in our next episode and I will share a bit more on that. I don't want to talk too soon about certain scenes that are in the next episode while I'm doing this rant here. <laughs> so I will ramble on in the next episode about this further.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you, but I also kind of don't because I didn't notice that they actually passed each other until the second time I watched it. Like, Yeah, I, it was no, very it subtle. Twitter. Yeah, so I saw yeah. it on Twitter and then I went, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. So I like that it was subtle, like you wouldn't notice it unless yeah. you were looking for it. Um, but also I liked it cause it was kind of a tie in, you know, um, Billy says, I think later in the show, you know, it's not always enough to meet the right person. You have to do it at the yes. right time. So I think the chance that he and Daisy had opportunities to meet, but never did, mm. you know, it makes, makes sense to me. I could take it, it or does. leave it though. You know, like I feel like. Like she says, she's not anybody's muse. I think that her storyline is so much more than her relationship, whatever that is or becomes, with Mm. Billy Dunn. Um, And I think he's more than that, too. And I think, like, right now it's subtle, so I really don't care. But I just, I think that they're both worth more than that.
0: For sure. Okay, so let's discuss the songs in this episode because they are really good. (laughs) They're
1: really good. Bops across the board, honestly. But you know what? I forgot about every other song in that first episode when Daisy sat down at the piano and played by myself. Oh, yes. Like, oh my goodness. That is my favorite song in this episode and maybe even so far in the series. Mm -hmm. I love the lyrics. I love where it sits in the story. I love what it means to Daisy. And I love how Riley performs it. This moment isn't, like, performative in the show in the way some of, like, the concert-ish moments are. Um, But this is Daisy doing what she loves to do for herself. And the realization that she can do it for herself. And she proves to herself in this two-minute song, that she is worthy of her dream. That is a fucking powerful thing. Mm. This is also just another thing I love about Daisy and her character. She is so fierce and fearless in the pursuit of what she wants. And despite having everything handed to her, she chooses something that she has to work to get, you know? Mm. And I just, ugh, it was... Beautiful, beautiful.
0: Yeah, I'd agree by myself for sure. It's stunning. It reminds me a bit of Joni Mitchell and Carol King, which is cool Mm -hmm. because she leaves very Carol, right? She leaves the bar, and I think that's when I Feel the Earth Move starts playing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, (laughs) I was like, okay, I see how they're playing this, and I love it, and I love that. We do find out that Daisy is very inspired and influenced by what Carol does, how she she mentioned is it this
1: episode? I think so. I don't want to talk about it. It was either this episode or the second one. But she does tell Mm -hmm. Simone that she has this love for Carol King and Yeah. Because Carol
0: wrote songs for so many artists and then her own personal albums are just for her. And I was like, Oh, that is so wise and so smart and i know that's how you and i both listen to carol king as really big carol king fans i love carol king way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: i thought that was a brilliant quote i don't remember if it's the first or second episode but i think it's wherever the second. it is so we'll, we'll, it might be we'll
1: circle back to that we
0: will yeah if it's in there we'll do that i think it is you're right yeah okay The book changes. Yeah. You know, I have one actually
1: right off the top, if you don't mind. Yeah, please take it away. I've seen a lot of people talking online about how Daisy is less like wild in the series so far. She's not as much of a crazy rich party girl. Um, But I actually think this is a smart choice to show how her partying progresses to full-blown addiction. Um, I think in the book it's Warren who mentions it. Uh, kind of towards the end, you know, some people are capable of casual drug use and some people aren't. And I think we're going to eventually see that Daisy isn't. I do love that they kept Daisy talking about the up and down in the show, not just for the iconic muse line, which you know I love. But reading the book, I always kind of thought that Daisy struggled a little bit with mental health issues of some kind with high highs and low lows. And that her struggle to, quote, hit the dope just right was an unconscious way of self medicating to find her normal, whatever that was to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as she's put under stress as a songwriter and working with someone who she's falling for but can't have, I think we're really going to see her drug use progress. And I think that her progression with substance abuse issues as working on the album comes into play is going to be really central for her relationship with Billy and the rest of the band. So I'm okay with this change um, yeah. because I really am loving the way that this show is handling substance abuse and addiction.
0: I totally 100% agree with you. I also think like really like they can't go too far into showing things. This is Amazon Prime and not HBO in that <laughs> sense. <laughs> HBO. I'm just being honest here. Like if they wanted it to go further with it, I think they would have put it on with HBO I don't know I think it's the perfect amount for someone who wants to see the story but also doesn't want to like be triggered rather hear about it yeah I don't want to be triggered I think they show (laughs) I'd rather hear that something happens yeah I I agree with you it's subtle but you get the message and I I appreciate that Mm So book changes. I I really like Camilla and Eddie having this adorable, sad, sort of almost romance from childhood. Mm-hmm. They also seem to be like the front runner for everyone's favorite ship on social media, which is, I didn't see that coming, but Me um, neither. I like that. I'm very
1: happy about that because we both love Josh and Camilla. So this is cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, we are fans of the Valley Girl 2020 movie, which had both Camilla we and Josh in it. Um, So... We're Josh fans and I honestly think if anyone else was playing Eddie it just wouldn't hit the way he does. You know, no, like he's perfect. I always liked Eddie in the book though because he always kind of said directly what he was thinking in the interviews. He's like there's a part mm-hmm. where he says I was so fucking sick of these people when everybody yeah. else in the interview <laughs> is trying to like be nice about why maybe things aren't working he was like I was sick of everybody and I love that directness that he has and that they've kept it in the show but I'm also totally okay with the extra added level of his adoration for Camilla because that is really going to add just another deeper layer of why shit falls apart and I'm so excited yeah. She
0: deserves to have someone care about her, too, because, you know, shit goes down and and she needs someone to lean on. And I'm happy that it seems like it might be Eddie.
1: Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. you peach. He's not a peach.
0: He's not a peach. That's the wrong peach. (laughs) Not
1: my peaches. It's more of a banana. Let's be real. I don't know where you're getting that, but okay.
0: I don't know. Something, I thought of something, but I can't say it. So say, so continue. Jocelyn just sent me a text message that she didn't want to say on air. I'm gonna air it out anyway. She said, "Billy Dunn is an eggplant." You know, (laughs) (laughs) Billy Dunn is an eggplant.
1: So Chrissy, we have talked about the show itself. We've talked about some changes in our feels and the songs. You know. Let's kind of talk about overall what our thoughts were on the episode and uh, kick us off. Okay, yeah, I have to be totally
0: honest. Of the three episodes, this ranked as my least favorite, and I will tell you why. I just feel that the show is really, really trying to push together the Billy and Daisy narrative. And I get that. Um, And there's no denying the twin flame plot. It was in the book. Um, I just feel like the book made it flow more naturally, Mm. if that makes sense. It didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel pushed. It was there from the start. And with this, I feel like they're just kind of like pushing it onto us a little bit. I don't know. And, you know, however, like in doing that, we lost a lot of what made Billy and Camilla also a great couple in the beginning. And I mentioned this earlier, I wanted the phone calls and their pizza dates. I know, due to time, that's hard. But without that element to their relationship of the early days, it makes it easier for the viewer to wonder why Camilla, who is so strong, stays when he's such an asshole and doesn't respect her. And someone on Twitter said it best when they mentioned that Daisy Jones and the Six is a great representation of the idea that You can have two great loves. Mm -hmm. You can have more than one soulmate. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in that. I know you and I both agree that Camilla is Billy's soulmate and Daisy is his twin flame. Mm -hmm. I think we are losing the aspect of Camilla being his soulmate too, and that's a shame. Again, like we've only seen three episodes, and this episode right now that we are discussing is based on the first one only. Who knows what the future episodes will hold for them, but... I hope that there's a bit more romance between Billy and his wife because that for me is what made me so tied up in the book. Not because there's a love triangle, but because this man loves both of these women. And for different reasons and in different ways. And I hope we get to see more of that.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to touch on everything you just said because there's so much Please gold do. in there. But I want to start out by saying, like I said, I'm a firm believer that we have more than one great love in our lives. We have more than one soulmate. And who your soulmate is, I think, entirely depends on when and where you meet them. Um, But uh, I'll just circle right back and say that I think that this first episode was as great as a first episode can be. Um, I'm going to use Outlander as an example. I love Outlander, both this book and the TV series. The first episode does so much, but also very little at the same time, because it's the episode's job is to lay the groundwork first. So I think that as a first episode, this one does a banger job of setting up who these characters are and their journey so that it kind of sets the stage for them to get going. I do have to agree and disagree with you when it comes to Billy and Camilla. Um, I love those sweet moments in the book, but I also get that it's hard to fit 300 book pages into 10 TV episodes. Totally. Um, and especially with how the format of the book is done compared to how mm. things are done in flashback in the TV show, this is not an easy job. But no. I think that Billy adoring Camilla is there. It's just not in words. Um, the way he looks at her in the laundromat, the way he puts on the tie to go to dinner with his <laughs> her parents um, when she decides to come with him, the look on his face, this man is dead gone on her. Like... I'll probably mention it again going forward, but I just think that Billy loves differently. He has this busy, artistic mind where his main focus is music and Camilla. And I think his ambition gets in the way of how we expect romantic love to be shown on screen. Daisy has that same sort of busy, artsy mind. I mean, we see it in an episode where she's actually, like, being intimate with somebody and just gets off of him mid-sex to start writing Um, she has that sort of busy artistic mind and as the book mentions she talks about that she loved someone quote as much as she was capable of loving anyone and I think Billy is like that too when it comes to romantic love and uh, Billy Dunn has more than one soulmate it's like he says in this very episode about meeting the right person at the wrong time Is he talking about Camilla? Is he talking about Daisy? I think it works for both of them. But I genuinely believe that the true loves of Billy's life are his daughters. But of course, Mm. we get more into that later. This is totally out of left field because I feel like we are talking about Camilla, Billy, and Daisy a lot because we love them. But I do want to throw in that Sebastian as Warren, who is probably like, that is my emotional support comic relief drummer. And (laughs) um, I feel like we've talked about Peaches, we've talked about Eddie, we've talked about um, our little, quote, love triangle. Um, But I have to shout out Warren because he was a favorite in the books and he's just so, so good on screen. I also have to shout out Simone because I love, I love, love, love that they're including her in the central plot because it would have been so easy to just kind of like write her off. So I'm glad that she gets to have like a big part. Yeah, I
0: totally agree. I'm so happy that Simone is still in the show. So this is more of like a generalized thought, but I know so many people and reviewers heavily compare the story and the characters to Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) And, you know, like besides the music on the Aurora soundtrack that just came out, And it being set in the 70s, I think Karen is probably the closest thing to a Fleetwood Mac member reference, that being like Christine McVee, because they've made her British now and uh, maybe it was a personal choice for Suki. I don't know. I thought it was awesome. I just feel that like Daisy and Billy's relationship are closer to Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris being that Graham was married and battled addiction. And even at that, it still feels like a very original story and doesn't rely too heavily on specific people in the music industry. I don't know, yeah. but I get none of Lindsay and Stevie through them. Yeah, for the for their relationship, I think Daisy is totally like a Stevie Nicks. Um, not knockoff, but you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I think that, like, the references are there, but the references could be for so many people. Like, there's a little Carol King reference here, a little Stevie Nicks yeah. reference there. And in the book, when I was reading the book, I had read um, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, uh, his little memoir, autobiography thing, around the same time. And mm. with the Dunn brothers getting started and, like, getting up to their record deal, it reminded me so much of Bruce's journey. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's all there and it's all kind of delicious because it just really kind of captures the music industry at that time. Like so much research must have gone into this on Taylor's part, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's so fascinating, but yeah, I don't really see like two specific people from the industry. Mm -hmm. I really think they are true originals and obviously I mean like everyone back then was on drugs and sleeping together so it's like I mean you can't totally be be anyone (laughs) it could be anyone but what I'm specifically saying is that I don't think they are like the story of Stevie and Lindsay Mm -hmm. you know I mean they were they can't be Stevie and Lindsay were practically married when they were when she was 20 something so like you know what I mean Mm -hmm.
1: You know, as we get to the end of our episode here, I have to say that what I truly love about this adaptation that you clearly see from the first episode is that despite little changes that these characters very much feel like they have jumped out of the book. Like these are the humans I fell for on the page and seeing how the writers and actors have brought them to life on screen had me sobbing in a hotel room at 3 a.m. You know, like, I was talking to a friend at brunch the other day, and I said, an adaptation could have these characters do a French can-can, and as long as they do it in character, I won't care. And I genuinely mean it. I had so much trust in the team bringing this to life before that, but this episode, seeing these characters in real life, had me grinning from ear to ear and just solidified all of that trust for me. I loved this first episode for that and um, I'm sure I'll talk about it more when we discuss the other episodes as well I'm just so excited to see these characters take this journey in in real time like oh my goodness the performances in this are are truly stellar and just a genuine genuine gift
0: I just can't believe it's finally here. I know. We've
1: been waiting for years.
0: (laughs) We've been waiting for so long. And I believe that, like, the first week the book came out, they might have announced that a TV show was in the works. I think I'm right about that. I could be wrong, but you know. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's what happened because I remember turning to my mom and saying, This is going to be a TV show. And I think I read that on Google when it came out.
1: I can't remember, but I know that by the time I bought the book in the fall, Um, we knew it was going to be a TV series.
0: Okay. So yeah, I think it was like within the first month it came out that they announced that. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. I can't wait to see it on screen. And now four years later, here it is. And can we just
1: talk about how Aurora was released and hit number one on iTunes the very same day? Holy shit. Not normal. That doesn't
0: happen. Like that doesn't just happen. That just shows you the way that books are perceived by people and how much we love them in our lives, that we Yeah, have made this fictional band. Number,
1: number one,
0: one, on the charts, that is
1: crazy. And it also goes to show that not just the power of books, but when you listen to a fan base, when you listen to I know Taylor was yeah. heavily involved with this. You know, when you do an adaptation and do it right, what can happen? Like the way that this blew up. um, I am so excited to be on Twitter in the era of Daisy Jones and the Six. My goodness. So like a
0: lot of people online and TikTok were saying it sounds nothing like Fleetwood Mac. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are you only (laughs) listening to the Fleetwood Mac Greatest Hits album? Because if you go more into their discography, it's like almost identical to some songs. Like, I think it's Aurora that I said sounds similar to the guitar in, um, was it Oh Diane or Monday Morning something? And I was like, this is unbelievable how they captured the ens- the essence. I mean, they even sampled the chain in Honeycomb. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty or, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's Regret Me
1: also had something insane. in the
0: bridge. Oh, maybe it was "Regret Me." Yeah, it was "Regret Me." It it had the the chain sampled.
1: I just I thought it was just so (laughs) it's so brilliant. And what I loved about the book, like I said at the beginning, was how it captured an era without being overly descriptive, right? Because it's just in dialogue. But the era and how Taylor described it was so vibrant to me. Like you could almost like feel the vibrations of the music and the energy of the strip in the seventies, just like vibrating off the page and the show captures that but the album captures that. I remember listening to the album because we had it first which very smart give us all the album because the TV show tells the story of the album and the breakup. So they're literally having us live what Daisy Jones and the Six fans would have lived through in that fictional universe, you know? They had the songs first and then they learned the story behind them. Genius. It's all brilliant. I'm I'm excited to
0: chat with you when we reach the final episode and look back at everything we've gone through on this journey of the series and be like, oh my God, they did that or they changed that. I don't know how it's going to end. I've tried to avoid spoilers because I know some people did get the full 10 episodes, is it? I believe they got all of the episodes. Oop! I believe they got all of the episodes and they reviewed everything in a whole chunk and I I tried to stay away and I did and I don't know what's going to happen like is Camilla divorced in the future? Who
1: knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Honestly, I can't even think about the final episode because I want it to last forever. Like I know. at first I was kind of bummed that it was just releasing a few episodes at, at a time. Because I have no self control, but I'm really glad that um, Hello Sunshine had control for me so they could release it slowly (laughs) so I can just enjoy every delicious little moment leading up um, to it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for more. I'm excited to talk more. I mean, Chrissy and I have had these conversations a million times, but I'm excited that we get to share them with all of you because the Daisy Jones and the Six community is huge and i'm really excited so sweet really excited to connect with more of you um who love the book because we love it too
0: (laughs) we love it and yeah i mean it's so nice and welcoming on social media to chat with a whole bunch of you so far and um yeah let's keep that going let's keep the conversation going together and discuss our theories and what's gonna happen
1: of course it might not be the it might be the end of the episode but it's not the end of the conversation so if you enjoyed this episode please consider following us on instagram at daisy jones podcast and twitter at daisy jones pod where we'll keep you updated when new episodes of the podcast drop we'll be engaging of course in conversation with all of you about this wonderful wonderful uh tv show and yeah, come chat with us. Let's
0: hang. Yeah, we would love to know your thoughts on episode one. What did you think? How was the vibe for you from uh, book to screen? And stay groovy, friends. We'll see you later on in the week for episode two. Bye. Bye. Guys.